All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the I Love Infusionsoft show. I'm super excited to be here with Greg Jenkins, founder of MonkeyPod Marketing. Greg, thanks for being with us. Uh, my pleasure, and I do love Infusionsoft, so we'll get that out of the way right off the bat. Awesome. So if you're not familiar with Greg, you absolutely need to be. I'm going to tell you right now, you should just go to monkeypodmarketing.com and check out what Greg's got to offer. So Greg, I'll, I'll just uh, boast a little bit for Greg because he's a very humble guy and he's not going to do it. Um, but he uh, was the guy at Infusionsoft who ran Infusionsoft University. So if you ever went to training there or ever you, you thought you should need some Infusionsoft training, he was the guy running the show there, doing all the training. He's since left and created his own company, MonkeyPod Marketing, where he offers all kinds of training on Infusionsoft, and it's phenomenal. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tyler. Um, and of course, got to give uh, props to the people who ran Infusionsoft University before me and then after me. I don't think they offer it any longer. Um, maybe maybe once I left, they realized, what's the point? You know, <laughs> something like that. And that. No one could fill those shoes that's after it. that point. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> So, uh, so we're here to, to share a little bit about um, Infusionsoft, and the reason I wanted to get Greg on the show is because Greg's the perfect example of living the dream, right? We uh, always talk about the Infusionsoft dream, right? That, that's kind of this, this uh, term that's been coined. Yeah. You know, the Infusionsoft dream is you can have a business, and everything runs automatically, and you can go live on the beach and do whatever you want to do because everything in the business is happening automatically. That's right. And you actually lived that life pretty much, um, about as close as you could, right? So tell us so a little bit I, about that. Here's what I'll say. Um, <laughs> you know, it, the grass is always greener, as we've discussed, and there are plenty of things that, that I, in my own business or in my own life that I still uh, strive to improve. Uh, but from like an automation perspective, yeah, I use Infusionsoft as, as thoroughly as I can, yeah. um, and I wring every drop of value out of it every single month. Um, and so for my business, right, if you think about like, uh, you talk a lot about the complete customer lifecycle, um, I use the term like customer journey, right? But if you think about like the stages that your customer goes through, um, there's everything on the front end from like traffic and lead generation through uh, your sales process and sales journey, and then your fulfillment uh, for whatever it is, products or services that you're selling. Um, and everything in the middle, I have automated. So I spend my time when I think about like, what am I doing to run MonkeyPod? I spend my time on the very, very front end producing content for my blog or for my YouTube channel or, or you know, for my various social feeds. Mm -hmm. And then I spend my time on the very back end answering questions uh, for my members or people yeah. who have ascended through my courses and have like, well, what about this type scenarios? Um, and I love it. I love that I get to spend my time in those two areas. Uh, but what people forget is that, you know, it takes a while to build the automation and the systems that support um, the various stages in between, and and yeah. it'll never be perfect. It's a right. it's an ongoing game of of how do I tweak or optimize or improve these things. Um, but there's nothing more rewarding than uh, you know having literal sales come in while I'm out walking the dog or, or hiking or or. So let, let's give the audience a sense for the big picture of your your life. Yeah. Or let's get into the sure. details. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, the big picture. You know, you live in San Diego. Yeah. Um, so a, a very wonderful destination place to live. Um, you have a business where I don't know how many hours a week you work, but it's not what people would consider full time. 
and you have flexibility to really do whatever you want. You go on these you know, long road trips, um, you have a passion for dogs, you do a lot of dog sitting, you have flexibility to do all kinds of stuff that most people who have a job or even have a business yeah. um, don't don't have flexibility to do. So tell us a little bit about just kind of your life, the things you're able to do because of Infusionsoft. Sure. Well, you know, like any um, wise uh, person, I have to give credit to my partner, uh, Sarah, who uh, works in education. She works in academia. She's both a high school teacher and a professor at SDSU. Mm -hmm. So because Sarah has uh, largely her work schedule centered around the academic calendar, uh, we have breaks built in at various holidays. And of course, you know, our summers are off. Yep. So we made the decision, we want to use those that time to travel. And as I have been building MonkeyPod, that's been a focus for us is like, well, how can we design a business um, that supports the lifestyle that we want to have, which is capitalizing on these built-in breaks? Um, and the answer was like, all right, I need something that doesn't uh, require me to, to you know, add hours in order to add revenue. And mm -hmm. so uh, the whole origin story for MonkeyPod was like, well, how can I have a big impact? How can I reach and serve as many people as possible in a way that scales? And that's what led me to education. Yeah, I was doing Infusionsoft University, but Infusionsoft University was a live event at that right. time. It was a three-day classroom-style training where you went and delivered it, and then you went and did it again. Mm -hmm. And so the idea to take that structure and turn it into virtual courses, um, it's not like I invented virtual courses, but right. it, it was largely driven by my desire to be hands off to have, you know, this thing that ostensibly you could create once mm -hmm. and just drive traffic to and it would, you know, deliver over and over. Now, as you know, when you create uh, training materials on a software that is constantly evolving, <laughs> your training materials also need to constantly evolve. So it hasn't been entirely hands off from yeah. that perspective. Um, but largely, it, it has served us in that um, you know, things can happen. A customer can buy a course and get access to it and consume it and move on to the next course. And the automation, you know, does its job uh, curating and supporting that experience mm -hmm. while we, um, you know, have more control and, and, and uh, flexibility uh, as to where and when we insert ourselves into that. Totally. So, so tell us, you know, the audience is listening. They're like, okay, that's great. Greg was able to create this life for himself. Um, but let's, let's help them to be able to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, if, if you were starting over, um, what would you tell yourself in terms of like, what are the maybe top two or three things that you got to get in place to be able to have that lifestyle business? Like what, what do you attribute that to an in Infusionsoft or the campaigns or however you want to look at that? Like what are the most important things that allow you to do this? Yeah. So I think number one is, um, is, is automating your fulfillment, right? If a customer comes through and signs up and is ready to pay for something, um, and then you have to like manually deliver on it, whether it is services or a, or a virtual product or education or a membership, right? Then that's going to break down if you have an influx of customers, right? And people with agencies probably are familiar with this is like, as you reach capacity, new customers can actually um, compound your problems. Totally. And so setting yourself up early on to, to have um, the systems that can support scale, I think has made... Uh, my life incredibly or, or much easier because 
I can focus on driving leads without worrying about, well, is it going to overwhelm me if things go well, right? If all these people buy, like I want them to, um, is it going to create a problem that then I have to focus on solving there? So, so this is a huge change in thinking. Most people get Infusionsoft and think it's going to be like their lead generation tool. They focus all their energy there. But you're saying, let's start with fulfillment yeah. to so then allow you to right, spend time and focus on the lead gen. It, that, that's exactly right. And I think that way for a couple of reasons. Number one is because... Um, designing and optimizing your fulfillment um, solution, whether it's you know the delivery of a course or the del delivery of a product or delivery of you know coaching and, and mentorship programs, right? It doesn't need to be fully automated. I'm not saying it needs to be hands off. What I am saying is it should be systemized, and automation can be used to support that. So if you're watching and thinking like, well, mine is you know it requires man hours, I can never automate that. I'm not saying that you should remove yourself entirely. I'm just saying you should. Uh, find the ways that automation could um, make it more scalable. Now, uh, that does two things for you. Number one, it frees up your time so that you can go focus on generating more leads. But number two is it means when you when you're, those leads convert, um, you have a system that is already creating an experience that is predictable mm -hmm. and is consistent and produces the results that you want, which ultimately will lead to you know people who are happy with what they bought and you know the cycle begins and they tell their friends or or offer testimonials and yeah. Yeah, and what I love about this too though, Greg, is that when when you go about building your fulfillment system, you've got, as long as you stick with it and you finish it, you've got a 100% chance of that being successful. Where if you focus on the lead gen side of things, there are way too many variables, right? The copy, the messaging, the audience, you might not get that, that stuff wrong, and then you get upset, oh, Infusionsoft doesn't work for me, right? Yeah. But I always tell people, like, you've got to have your own personal Infusionsoft experience. That experience is like when you build something and it works and you're like, Hallelujah, that just relieved me of yeah. some amazing you know, burden that I had. And um, so you recommending that people start with fulfillment, I think, is super wise because you can have that experience right away because you know what your process is. It's just a matter of breaking down your process and setting it all up automatically. And I think um, it also gives you the confidence to... Uh, to spend money on ads mm -hmm. knowing that the experience you're creating for people is going to deliver on the expectation totally. that you set, right? Um, if you, th you know, the, we in the marketing world oftentimes will talk about like a bucket that has holes in it, right? And if, if turning the faucet up is the equivalent of like traffic or driving traffic, like you would much rather, or you should much rather, um, you know, try to fill the bucket once you have patched those holes. So by working backwards through your funnel and like designing the experience you want to have happen after they purchase and then moving upstream from there. Um, I think of traffic as sort of being the last thing we do yeah. once you've pressure tested the rest of the experience. Totally. If you if the first thing you do is jump in and start running all these ads to a landing page that's broken or to follow up that, you know, people drop between the gra uh, uh, gaps, you're wasting money. You're, yeah. you know, it's not an efficient way uh, for you to either spend your resources or your time. Totally. So that was point number one. To live the lifestyle business, to live right. the Greg Jenkins life, uh, build your fulfillment, automate your fulfillment first. Sure. What's, what's number two? Um, yeah, so I think it's about uh, recognizing the value you have uh, to your audience and sort of embracing that. I think that a lot of people will start with um, things that they think will produce leads. A lot of people will start with like an ebook or something that is designed specifically to, to capture leads, but they take they miss a, a really obvious step, which is asking like, do people need this, right? right? And you and I were talking about this before we started uh, recording. Um, most of my content 
comes from questions that people have asked me. Mm -hmm. It's not something that Greg Jenkins dreamt up and said, man, I hope people need this. It's something that people have explicitly raised their hand and, and asked for. And so I would challenge you know, anyone who's in the content creation game or, or lead generation game is to figure out like, what problems am I solving? And are they problems that people you know, have, that they recognize they have, and that they're motivated to get in front of? Mm -hmm. um, I learned a tough, experience, or a tough lesson uh, early on in MonkeyPod. I launched a course that, um, that totally flopped. I generated 100 leads for it before I got the first sale. Okay. Um, and I don't know, depending on what industry you're in, 1% conversion might be fine. <laughs> but for this particular endeavor, uh, it was pretty underwhelming. Yeah. And it, I was really disappointed. So the, the course uh, was, it was called the Mini Pod Tips Series, which is a mouthful on its own. <laughs> um, but it was basically these short little actionable videos with small tips and tricks throughout Infusionsoft. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like my tripwire product. That was cool. my mentality. It was um, you got the first six or seven or eight for free, and then you could buy the rest, and it was 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And the goal was I wanted that to be the stepping stone to my first course, which then is the stepping stone to the second and third and fourth course. So it was this low entry product. Um, but it flopped, it totally flopped. And in hindsight, the reason it flopped was because there were no customers saying, man, I wish I had 20 small right. actionable tips. It was this tips. yeah, hodgepodge collection right. of, of things that I had put together. And I launched it for the wrong reasons. I launched it because I wanted something to sell at that price point. Mm -hmm. And that's not how you serve your customers. Um, you serve them by genuinely asking, like, what do they need? And if I'm equipped to solve it, then how does that or how does that show up? Yeah. And so that was a, an important lesson for me was like, it's not about what you have to say. It's what it's about what people need and, and whether or not, you know, those things are aligned. Yeah. So you didn't bring it up for this purpose, but I'll just highlight it for everyone. Another really important lesson in that is that it's okay to make mistakes and have a flop. We've all done it, right? Anyone who's been <laughs> successful has had those flops. I mean, I've launched, I don't know how many campaigns yeah. that have totally flopped and that's okay. Like don't throw the towel in and say Infusionsoft doesn't work or my business sucks yeah. or whatever. Like you just got to keep plugging it's, forward and learn from it's, those. It's not lessons. only okay. I would argue that it's necessary. necessary you know, sure. um, it's a, it's a process uh, where, you know, you, you, you either fail, what, what do they say? You either win or you learn a way not to do something, right? Yeah, you never fail. Right. You're only learning things that, that you should avoid. Yeah. And that's true for this one. Um, the silver lining, or, or I guess maybe uh, to put a positive spin on it, as, as you said, it was like, I, I didn't fold up shop and say, well, I guess this doesn't work. I guess marketing doesn't work. I guess automation doesn't work. I said, all right, well, what was broken? And it was not a systems or technology thing, which mm -hmm. is a strength of mine. It was, it was a messaging thing and a product positioning thing, yeah. which were just steps I had skipped in the ideation sure. like process was I had just had these ideas and I launched it without really assessing whether or not this was something that people wanted. If I had asked my, my blog subscribers or my customers, they probably would have said, yeah, that's not, that's right. not a, that doesn't sound like a home run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll fast forward to this summer, uh, which is uh, July. Uh, I had the opposite experience. I launched something and it went uh, exceedingly well. It, it surpassed my expectations and I think this is kind of a cool story. So um, as you guys may know or may remember, depending on how long you've been an Infusionsoft user, uh, in June they uh, redid the user interface for the campaign builder. They yep. updated the look and feel of the campaign builder and it was pretty much an aesthetic change, yep. um, which for most people who use it, uh, it was a non-issue because mm -hmm. it 
behaved the same. It just looked different. Yeah. But I have a course, the a CB Trilogy course, which is the Campaign Builder um, Trilogy. And it is, you know, five hours or so of, of detailed uh, screen capture. And so when the software updates, this whole course overnight, you know, looked and felt right. outdated. Even though the instructions were still all valid, it just didn't reflect, you know, the current iteration of software. So right. um, my original reaction was like frustration because this meant I had a whole bunch of work in front of me. And uh, I had some travel around that time and I knew I had this road trip coming up. And so I had about a 10 day window where I needed to re-record the course. And so I took that opportunity to actually rebuild the course. And it went from being these three chapters into being, you know, there were 10, there were three videos in each chapter. And now there were 10 videos or 10, 10 and nine, and they're all much shorter, much more uh, digestible. Uh, But the point is I relaunched this course um, and it happened that I relaunched during this road trip, um, which is, uh, not what I would recommend. If you <laughs> if you are launching a product, you probably uh, will be better served if you are you know at your battle station at your desk uh, to support it to answer questions, etc. But you've set up your life right to be able to do this. We we right? planned this trip, um, you know, and we had some we had a loop from San Diego up through Tahoe uh, to Crater Lake to Bend, Oregon, over to the coast, and then all the way back down. And we genuinely didn't know when we were going to come back. We just thought we'll drive and we'll see how it goes. And I thought it might be two weeks. Uh, It ended up being 24 days, and a big part of why it was 24 days was because um, when I launched this course, uh, we exceeded the goal we set for 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 ourselves. Awesome. And we were in Bend, Oregon, at dinner with some friends, and this, you know, my it's the last day of the the launch, and I keep looking at my phone because it keeps buzzing uh, as you get those order notifications come in, Um, and it was. You guys, I have a very modest business, so I I'd hope this doesn't come across as bragging, but it was a light bulb moment for me because I have helped people do this for themselves. I have, you know, recommended solutions that created, you know, really impressive launch figures, but it was the first time that I have seen my own inbox filled with right. only order receipts. And it was a really uh, rewarding moment um, to see that, yeah, hey, automation does work. And, you know, we produce these types of numbers um, while hotspotting from campgrounds in, you know, rural uh, Northern California or Southern Oregon, and then checking into a motel here and there to edit some video or to, to launch a, um, another email. And so uh, the takeaway was that uh, this, what started as a, as a frustration uh, um, turned into an opportunity, turned into an actual, you know, revenue stream that month, that week and that month were my best week and my best month as far as course sales go in the history of MonkeyPod. And That's it awesome. came, yeah, thanks. And it came on the heels of this, um, what you know could have been uh, an overtly negative um, piece of news, yeah. but with the right you know mindset or perspective, uh, turned into a, an opportunity that that uh, awesome. that we were able to roll into an extra ten days on this road trip. So super important takeaway there is is to always recognize the opportunity and your challenges. Um, sounds like you did that really, really well. So some people might be listening to this, Greg, and they're going, okay, sounds great, Greg, but you created this lifestyle business. I already have a business that's not a lifestyle yeah. business. Um, wh- what would you say to those people who who might be feeling some of the, um, the frustration of like, look, I see this stuff and I see other people doing it and it seems to be working for them. But when I try it, it doesn't work. And yeah, Gray's got a great story, but my business is different. Yeah. You know, what, what would you say to them? How do, how do they get the value out of this stuff? Um, 
I think it takes like a translator uh, to help interpret whatever it is that your business is doing into automation uh, terms, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong with automation is they feel like, all right, if I do these 10 steps manually, then my automation needs to do those 10 steps. And really when you set out to automate something, it's a, it's a, um, a moment where you get this opportunity to reimagine it, Mm -hmm. to revisit, well, why do we do it that way? And is there a better way to do it? Because what I have found is that entrepreneurs and small business owners in in general, oftentimes we'll just figure out how to do something because we're creative and we're problem solvers. And then that becomes our method because it worked the first time. And so why change it? Right. And we Mm -hmm. might get faster at it, but rarely do we go back to the drawing board and say, well, it's been three years. (laughs) We've changed. Technology has changed. Maybe there's a more efficient solution. So um, what I recommend is, is bringing in a, um, a third party uh, consultant of some sort with a fresh perspective or lens who can objectively look at your systems and processes and make a prescription as to where automation could could be uh, most impactful. Because uh, there may be things you can automate um, that that you know make a small difference, but more than likely and and um, more uh, strategically, you should focus on the things that move the needle uh, in the biggest way. And so it takes sometimes um, an expert lens or a, or a body of experience in order to be able to quickly uh, recognize those opportunities and, and then help either reinvent them or, or introduce automation to them in the first place. So if you're watching this and thinking like, yeah, my business is different, um, like, first of all, everyone's business is a little bit different, right? So whatever space or industry you're in, like, recognize that uniqueness is not unique. It's yeah. part of small business in general. And um, set set aside whatever predisposition you may have toward automation. I ran a business before Infusionsoft, um, and I did a lot of things wrong. And the biggest challenge uh, that I would go back and and put my finger on was I wasn't open to the idea of things being improved because I took it as a personal um, failure that I had not seen that or had not known to ask for that. Right. And so set your ego aside and, and ask objectively, like, what is the best thing for my business? And honestly, what is the best thing for you and, and for your life? Uh, because there probably are things that you're doing that you don't need to be or shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And conversely, just because something can be automated doesn't mean that it should be. Right. There are plenty of things in my business, um, thank you cards is an example, that I, I choose to write those by hand. And it's not because there aren't automated solutions to handle that, there of course are, but I like the connection I feel mm-hmm. um, when I am forced to think about, oh, they're in you know Western Australia or wherever they are, and I write their address and it, you know, it, it gives me a, I don't know what the, serotonin or, or um, <laughs> dopamine. Yeah, dopamine. Yeah, it gives me <laughs> gives me some sort of, you know, um, rush uh, where I get to think about uh, about my customers. So I guess to just, I'm sure there's something wise in what I just <laughs> said, but um, my recommendation would be to like set your, your predisposition aside, recognize whether or not you have that bias, invite um, objective third-party counsel, and just try to be um, discerning in terms of where automation will have the biggest uh, and most meaningful impact. 
Uh, and it's not about you. It's about the experience you create for your customers. And so ask if this you know, genuinely serves them. I think a lot of people have the mentality that automation feels like cold and robotic. And uh, it doesn't have to. That's the, the breakthrough for everyone here is it only feels that way if it's done poorly, yeah. right? But you just said a second ago, does it serve them? And I think most of us tend to look at automation from the perspective of how can it serve me? Mm. Uh, how can I automate my work so I can go play? But if you look at it from the perspective of serving your customers, um, creating a better experience for them, then you're right. It won't feel cold and robotic. It will feel amazing. Yeah, so that's right. We we started off this conversation talking about like um, in the linear you know journey that I've designed for my customers. There's very clear segments where at the very beginning I'm spending manual time, at the very end I'm spending manual time, um, and everything in between to a certain extent uh, has been automated. Uh, so another way of saying that is like I have automated these things so that I can focus on right. fulfilling for my members and creating content and. Uh, yeah, I could probably, you know, replace ver some version of myself in both areas with a community manager or, a, you know, a content uh, manager. Um, but I enjoy those things. And right now, like, that's that's what feels like a fit for me. So if you make a list, uh, this is oftentimes how people approach it. If you make a list of all the things that demand your time, right, go comb over that list and figure out, like, what excites me? What am I, like, really jazzed to roll up my sleeves and dig into? And for the things that you didn't identify that are still taking time from you, that's where I would focus on like, well, what could be automated here? What could we take off my plate so that you can reinvest your time either back into the business or into other areas of your life that, um, you know, you're, you're not currently able to. Yeah. That's great stuff. Really, really wise words. Um, one thing I'll add to that, and you kind of alluded to this is that, um, you know, we, we shouldn't compare, um, you know, Someone might be listening and saying, okay, well, my business isn't a lifestyle business yeah. like Greg's. Mine's different or whatever. Um, if you try and compare, what happens is people go to a conference or whatever. They see the expert present on, you know, here's my million-dollar funnel. They're like, oh, that's cool. I'll go home and I take that and I implement it in my business. Well, if you're comparing your business to their business in a way that you think you can just take that funnel and run with it, yeah. chances are it's not going to work um, because there's different business models, right? We talk about this a lot, different funnels for different business models. So your business model is an education model. If you're a service provider, the things that Greg's doing to automate his business and his life are not going to work, right? You got to do it differently. And so it doesn't mean it's not going to work. Uh, it just means you got to do it differently. And you, like I said, you alluded to that, yeah. but I think it's really important for people to realize that the, the way Greg uses automation is going to be different than the way you use automation. Yeah. Um, thanks. I think that's an important line to underscore. I get a little frustrated um, with people toss around, especially in our space, they toss around like, here, steal my strategy, right? right? <laughs> Swipe this blueprint or, or what have you. And as sexy as those like phrases and, and lead magnets are, what I think a lot of people are m missing is that strategies are situationally dependent, right? Contextually dependent. And now, if your business is in the same industry and is the same model as the person that you're like, you know, grabbing that idea from, then it might work really well. But it takes that extra moment, that extra um, uh, intervention from a human to say, like, cool, does this thing also work over here? Right. Because if the Los Angeles Lakers steal the playbook from the, you know, um, uh, Houston Rockets, 
it's not like they're going to just implement that and seamlessly run the same offense. Their players are different. Their personnel is different. They're, yeah. you know, um, clearly NBA season has just started and I'm a little <laughs> bit excited about it. But uh, my point is that your business, which we talked about as being unique like everyone else's, mm-hmm. um, might need uh, uh, an extra tweak or modification or finessing to make those strategies uh, fit for your own context. And that's okay. So when you listen to conversations like this, it's not about just doing what Tyler does or what Greg does. It's about finding what are the lessons in there and then what do they mean for me. Right. And remembering to not compare yourself to others, but to compare yourself to where you were previously. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's something I struggle with because like, like I said uh, at the beginning, my business is, is, is pretty modest. And so the launch I had in July um, was like $5,500 over across close to 20 sales which I'm not going to retire off of that, right? <laughs> but it was a really impactful week for me. Yeah. It would be really easy for me to line that up to some of the you know, big guns in the marketing space and, and feel like I came up short because it wasn't you know, the same thing. It wasn't a multi-million dollar launch or anything. Um, but it, if I compare it to where I was previously and compare it to the flop story I told from a few <laughs> right. years ago, exactly- well, my trajectory is, is, is definitely going in the right direction. So yeah. I want to give you permission to celebrate wins for you and your business, regardless of what they look like, um, you know, independent of, of success, someone else may be achieving. All right. So Greg, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I do want to cover one topic though, uh, before we wrap up. And that is, um, you you mentioned when we were talking that, um, that you set up everything so that you could focus on creating content and fulfillment, everything else in the middle is automated. So it doesn't require you. It's the way you, you phrased it, that you wanted to set it up that way. Yet at the same time, I've noticed that your tribe like absolutely loves you. You have a deep connection, a, a great um, relationship with your audience. When we go to SuccessCon, things like that, your tribe gets together. You guys all hang out. You know each other. There's, For sure. There's relationship there, right? Um, that didn't happen by accident. Tell us a little bit about how you created that. How do you leverage automation and still have this deep and meaningful relationship with your people? Sure, yeah. So um, I... I, I spend a lot of time and effort doing that intentionally, right? Is is making decisions that I think will um, build those connections that I think will uh, help people get to know me. And I make I, I make decisions to to allow my personality um, or to intentionally insert my personality into my marketing and into my messaging. Um, you know, Greg Jenkins and Monkey Pot are, are you know, uh, intentionally interwoven. And so I know not every business uh, mm-hmm. will be that way. But for whatever your brand is, I think you should spend some time figuring out what do we want our brand voice to be? How do we want people to feel when they're reading our copy or, or watching our videos? And what is um, what is it we're trying to convey? What I found with Monkey Pot was when I first left Infusionsoft and, and started building my business was that something felt off about the the tone in the language I was using. I would write an email and I'd be like, who wrote that? Like, this doesn't sound like me. Yeah. And I'm a pretty casual guy. But what was happening was my, my writing voice, my email voice was like um, a little more formal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, some people have like a phone voice. They'll be talking <laughs> and then they answer the phone and they're like a different octave. I had an email voice. And so um, I didn't like it. And uh, the way that I I worked on it was um, by forcing myself for almost the first six months, I forced myself anytime I wrote an email, whether it was in Gmail or in Infusionsoft, um, I I forced myself to pause and then to read the email out loud. 
mm-hmm. um, to see, like, is this the language I would use? Is this how I would actually say this? And what I found was that oftentimes it wasn't. Um, when I talk, I use a lot of contractions. And when I write, I was not using any. Mm-hmm. And so it was very interesting to see some of those um, intricacies between the way I talk and the way that I write. And um, You know, that, that reminds me of uh, Stephanie Fleming, who you probably yeah. know, who, who used to be our senior copywriter at Infusionsoft. Uh, she now teaches copywriting, has courses and whatnot. And one of the things she always recommends is um, when you sit down to write, instead of writing, just record yourself talking mm. and then transcribe that, right? And it's the same lesson that you're talking about is like, if you want to get your real voice and that real connection, just write the way you talk. Right. And, and what has happened as a byproduct is like when I meet people at events, a lot of times they feel, um, they're like, oh man, yeah, like I feel like I know you because yeah. you sound like your emails and that's not an accident. Yeah. I want my emails to sound like me. Remember we said that automation doesn't have to feel cold and robotic. It mm-hmm. should feel like an extension of, of you or, or of your brand. Um, and so that's that's number one is make sure that like the language you use is is how you want your brand reflected, is how you want people to, to, to think about um, your business and, and um and your company. Uh, the second tip I have is uh, to uh, to allow people to get in touch with you, right? As as great and as powerful as as automation is, um, it's still automated. And so the last thing I want is for a customer of mine to feel like this automation didn't meet their needs and they have no recourse. Mm-hmm. And so in every email, uh, or in nearly every email, I try to give them agency. I try to give them the ability to say like, hey, if you need more, if you have questions on this, um, here's where you go. If this wasn't a direct home run, hit reply and let's talk about it. And and all of my emails you know, have an actual email address that people can reply to. Nothing screams, we don't care about you, like using the don't reply at monkeypodmarketing.com or no reply. No um, reply is the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> It just, it just trains people that, that you don't care about them. Yeah. And I should also point out that um, I have a, um, an audience size and, a, um, and, and reach that the number of replies I get is manageable. So mm-hmm. I do read and reply to every email uh, personally. If you ever want to get in touch with me, that's one way to do it. Um, but I know that's not the case for everyone. If you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and you send out a message and it has an invitation for people to reply um, and that's going to overwhelm you, then it's not going to create a good experience for them. So it needs to be a win-win. For me, it invites conversation that I am prepared to have. And at some point in the future, as my business grows, that may not be the case, and I'll have to redesign a solution for that. So if you've got a bigger audience and the idea of having everyone reply uh, is not appealing to you, then then find another way to let them get in touch or to advocate for their own experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, A popular way to do this is by... Uh, giving people the ability to to opt out of a particular line of messaging. Yeah. So this didn't connect with me. Unsubscribe from just emails about webinars mm-hmm. or just emails about um, you know your blog or whatever the the topic is, uh, and that allows people to to kind of control what right. lines of communication they're getting, and thereby makes the automation feel that much more personal. Yeah, good stuff. The third point is um, remember that automation is a choice, right? And so when you evaluate where and if you're going to automate something, you want to make sure that it is genuinely enhancing that customer's experience. And so um, like let's uh, an example would be if somebody buys a course from me, 
um, I could I could use that opportunity to um, manually create their credentials and craft an email in Gmail that's personal mm -hmm. and expresses some sincere sentiment about you know what's going on and and what I hope this course creates for them. And I have no doubt that if I did that for every customer, it would forge a more meaningful connection. Um, but I know that. You know, I have customers around the world, so they're buying in all sorts of time zones, and I'm doing plenty of things. I'm walking the dog or hiking or taking road trips or what have you, and so I might not reply to them right away. And if somebody buys a course, they might be ready to start that course right away. So I've decided that that's an intersection where it makes a lot of sense to introduce automation because it gets the customer what they're after faster. Creates right? a better experience for them. Yeah, so exactly. The trade-off there is it's it may be not as personal as it would be if I did it manually, right. but it happens automatically and it happens at scale and it happens immediately. So the trade-off is that it, it has a net positive for the overall customer experience. So um, I, that's a pretty obvious example and I think most people would use automation there without blinking, but the point is that that exercise can be extended to every interaction you have with your customers is decide, will automation enhance this experience for them or not? And if it does, um, even at a cost of some, you know, measure of personal interaction, then you need to decide like, well, this is worth it or it's not. And the, conversely, there's plenty of opportunities where automation could be implemented, but the trade-off isn't, isn't worth it. It's marginally better, but at the cost of the relationship you're building with them. And so, um, I, I guess my point is to be intentional about where and when you use automation. Um, because at the end of the day, you're a person doing business with a person and you want to make sure that you're valuing the relationship you're building with them uh, beyond the, the, the vehicle through which you build it. So great. Such good points, Greg. Um, that last one in particular, I love it. Uh, we've taught often that you should sit down and define the perfect customer experience first, right? Regardless, and I always tell people like, you got to remove all the constraints. Forget about your financial yeah. constraints. Forget about the time constraints. Forget about all that stuff. Just craft the most amazing experience you can possibly dream up. Then go through step by step, figure out what do I automate? What do I do manually? Mm -hmm. and, and looking at the customer's perspective. How do we create that amazing experience for them and also create the life that, that you want to create. So um, awesome stuff. Really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Uh, Greg is an absolute expert at this stuff. I'm so glad we were able to get him on the show. So if you haven't yet, go to monkeypodmarketing.com and check out what Greg has to offer. When they get there, Greg, where do they start? What should they do? So um, pretty much on every page of my website, there should be some sort of opt-in box uh, where you can type your email and, and click submit. So go ahead and do that um, anywhere and everywhere. Uh, and I say that only partially. Fill out all the forms. Yeah, I say that only only partially joking because um, two things will happen. Number one, you'll get on my list and you'll have access to you know either valuable blog posts or eBooks or, or whatever you know content that I produce that uh, you're interested in. And the second thing that'll happen is you will be added to my automated experience and you'll get to see and feel, okay, how does Greg have it set up? Mm -hmm. And I... Uh, it's not that I'm doing everything perfectly, but what I find is that as a marketer, it is fascinating to see how other people are doing things. There are lessons everywhere, both in terms of things you may want to replicate and also in things you may want to avoid. And so academically, I recommend signing up for a whole bunch of stuff um, just so you can sort of get a gauge for how people are doing it. And if you're on the MonkeyPod site, uh, check out the blog, um, you know, try to find my YouTube channel. There's lots of valuable content there. Uh, and if you have questions about any of my paid courses or about my membership, I'm not hard to find. 
Awesome. Well, the Infusionsoft community has been greatly blessed uh, by Greg and all that he's taught over the years and continues to teach through MonkeyPod Marketing. So thank you, Greg, for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on the next show. Thanks, Tyler. Bye.